Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, you're here with me, Dan Koo, on Market View. And joining us to break down the latest market actions is Ryan Huang. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Dan. And good morning, Sean. Good morning. How was your weekend, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to this short work week again. Of course, Thursday's a break again for wow. us. That reminds me, actually. Yeah, it is a short work week. Uh, Certainly. I'll remember not to come on Thursday. <laughs> right. So, Sean Ryan. actually came to... Work on Saturday. Oh, did he? <laughs> because it became such a routine for him. So yeah. I, I literally woke up at like five, like before five. I'm like, oh yeah, time to go. Yeah. At like four plus, I was like, oh yeah, time to head out. And I was like, oh yeah, it's Saturday. Oh <laughs> yeah. man. When do you realize it was not, you know, a working day because it's all dark in the office. Uh, and it, no signs. It's like you know because you, it's muscle memory. Right? You was tracking yeah. AMD, and then I was tracking Nvidia. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, let's, let's go do US Open. And I'm like, yeah. oh, are we to go? Wow. And then it's like, well, hang on, something is strange. So you open like, up I, the websites. No, it's a bit strange. Like for, for one, you don't see kiting around. So. Right. <laughs> who is oh. our producer? Who, who is normally earlier than me? I'm like, oh yeah. Oh man, <laughs> Sean, you sound like you need a break. Yeah. <laughs> a long break, in fact. But anyways, let's kick things off uh, with Russia. After a rebellion that turned into the greatest threat yet against Vladimir Putin made headlines all weekend. And this is sending shockwaves into the market where we've seen oil prices climbing more than 1% after its near 4% slide last week. U.S. equity futures also ticked higher and a gauge of dollar strength declined 0.1% while most major currencies traded within narrow ranges versus the greenback. So, Ryan, let's do a bit of history lesson here. To start off, let's get political. What is Russia's Wagner Group and why was it accused of mutiny? Okay, so it's quite a complicated background, but I'll try to sum it up. So, the Wagner Group was set up by... 20 by um, in mm. 2014, backed mm. by Yevgeny Prigozhin. So he is himself is quite a character. So outside of Wagner Group first. So they employ a lot of ex-prisoners. So the deal oh. for many of them is, hey, you have to join the, comp- the, the force or the Wagner Group. Mm. Otherwise, you can be stuck in prison. So they, of course, many of them would choose to work for the Wagner Group. Mm. So they, at their peak, have about 50,000 mercenary recruits. So they pretty much are mercenaries and they fight on behalf of whoever gives them the orders to go fight for what they want. So they have been to places like Australia, mm. uh, or they've been to places like the Middle East, Africa and Latin America. And they've also been accused of committing widespread human rights abuses. So no surprises that they've been sanctioned by the likes of Australia, Canada, Japan, the UK, the European Union. So not a very popular outfit um, going by Western standards. So mm. that's who Wagner Group is. Mm. And then you have Gany Progozin, the person behind it. So he is someone who is or was very close to Vladimir Putin. He started a catering business and then along the way, he got closer to Vladimir Putin who rewarded him with more government contracts and then his personal fortune just grew and grew and then that gave him the chance to set up Wagner Group alongside many other businesses. So over the weekend, as we've seen in the news, he started to get quite frustrated with the support from the Russian military. Mm. Things like ammunition, the lack of organization and he was apparently just too fed up with how he was losing so many men and how 
the war was playing out and he started to revolt and started to march towards Moscow. But just before reaching Moscow, apparently a deal was made. And mm. right now, the latest we know of what's playing out is he's heading to Belarus, likely to be in exile. And the earlier threat by Vladimir Putin to come after him and all his soldiers has been backtracked and they are all free to go. Oh. So it's a big question mark. Is that really going to happen? So we will see in the coming days how this uh, plays out. They, they haven't been. They haven't responded in, in terms of how uh, Wagner would res, uh, would perform in the, their war, right? In terms of uh, what they would be doing next. So a lot of questions to be uh, answered. So uh, there is all these hanging uh, questions over what's going to play out for the economy, the markets, how this will impact the Ukraine war, how it also affect uh, its um, allies as well. Mm. And yeah, the, f- the feud is, has been extremely politically damaging to Putin's regime as well. And so far, it's like what you've mentioned, mainly watching and waiting. And leaders across the world have said that it was an internal Russian issue that's been carefully monitored as well. Now then, Sean, let's bring you into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Now then, how is Russia's short-lived interaction could spell... How could it spell trouble for the global economy then? Well, I think firstly, this incident is far from over. It's mm. very interesting actually that Belarus uh, booked this deal in that sense for the, for this, I mean this truce because Belarus is essentially a puppet and Moscow is like the puppet uh, puppet master, right? Mm. So it's like, why is the puppet uh, doing this with the puppet master? It's a bit strange. Mm. So I don't think this is the end of it. I, there is probably going to have a part two and part three sequel. Uh, Putin's image as a tough leader has already been badly bruised by this war. Mm. So if he gets triggered uh, further by incidents like this, you know, who knows him? He may do something erratic that mm. could change things. But otherwise, based on right now, it looks like the... Ukraine-Russia conflict, I mean, this Ukraine-Russia conflict has already been priced in, mm-hmm. as it has been for quite a while. Not much can rattle the market, and that's happened again. The market seems to be calm this morning, at least uh, within the first 24 hours of this. Then uh, oil prices up about slightly more than 1% after that near 4% slide last week. Mm. US equities futures appear to be ticking higher. And of course, the uh, dollar strength declined very slightly, only while most by zero point one percent. While most major currencies are trading within very narrow ranges against the greenback, so it looks like right now it's calm. Uh, of course, there's potential that could spur investors into selling riskier assets later, uh, but right now the impact of the deal seems to be very low, uh, to have halted the any jitters. Mm, interesting. On the um, let's just talk about how this would be a. F- this might affect the oil market as well, though, because, I mean, Russia is the world's third largest crude producer behind the US and Saudi Arabia as well, and a key supplier of natural gas to Western Europe. So how might this further exacerbate the situation in the global energy market? Uh, right now, energy seems to be one of the laggards on the S&P. I think it, mm. there seems to be, I think there's opportunity there. And I mean, the Middle East is still quite friendly, so I think that as far as the supply is concerned, they'll probably do more heavy lifting if Russia decides to, you know, pull out. Yeah, I think if you look at mm. it on the surface, right, so you've got chaos potentially that could just get worse because mm. of the internal politics in Russia. And you also have to bear in mind, this did not just happen overnight, right? This actually would have taken quite a lot of planning. Yeah. And 
to certain degree, the intelligence forces within Russia would have probably known about this. So the question is, why did Vladimir Putin or Russia do not do anything in the lead up to this? They seem to have been taken by surprise and now they seem to be on the back foot. So you have potentially a lot of uh, infighting that might happen that might affect the Russian economy, right. which could have impact on Russian oil producers. So that could be something that we might need to watch out for for the potential escalation of the current situation as well as the potential escalation of what Sean mentioned mm. uh, if Russia decides to do something erratic if it's backed into a corner. So all these issues might have negative repercussions on international security as well as supply chains. Mm. Yeah, in fact, I mean, some economists have also stepped up to say that if anything disrupt the flow of the energy, the global energy market in terms of its supplies, that there would definitely be an upside risk for oil prices, particularly as we are already moving into the part of the world or the year when global demand for oil is expected to significantly exceed supply. But, I mean, this... There's a lot of waiting and uh, waiting and seeing how this would develop. So we'll watch very closely this week. Now, let's bring this conversation over to the second half of this year. And as we enter into the last week of June, let's discuss where the stock market could be headed after a wild first half. And optimism that the US central bank is approaching the end of its tightening campaign so far has helped transform the technology-heavy gauge from 2022's market underachiever to 2023's early champion, with a surge of 36%, erasing last year's 33% slump. And historically, a robust first half in the stock market could also mean a good omen for the rest of the year. So, Sean, what are some possible scenarios that we can expect from the second half of this year? I think it's very... uh encouraging what we saw in the first half of the year but yeah. we have to remember that at, at the end of the day uh, you know moment, while momentum is clearly on the bull side valuations still matter yep. so let's take a look at some of the tech I mean we, we have high flyers Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA for example Microsoft is 36 times valuation NVIDIA mm. is 220 times that doesn't seem very sustainable Right. so if you take a look on the broader picture on the S&P 500 right, if you look at the Magnificent 7 or let's say your top 10 and you take the uh, it seems to have decoupled from S and P five hundred, mm. right? With, with the amount of heavy lifting that they did, it is them and everybody else. Mm. So I think perhaps in the second half of the year we may see a move uh, from the S and P, uh, let's say to the S and P four hundred. I'm saying four hundred because I took away the top ten, mm. and then we start looking at the other stocks. What's the eleven, twelve, thirteen stock all the way to the top, and and see whether uh, perhaps there will be they will also start to participate in this market. We thought that they would earlier, about three weeks ago. They seem to be participating. Then they started to pull back a bit, but I think in the second half of the year, perhaps that would be a bit more. Uh, there will be more interest as people start to pay attention more to valuation and this momentum that we see may, I mean, everyone's anticipating to fizzle at some point. It hasn't so far, but I guess it, it, it won't at the moment because it's making higher lows and higher highs, but, you know, it's just not sustainable at 220 valuation on the video, for example. So, mm. yeah, we, I think the eyes will be looking at the stocks. People will be thinking, okay, I have not been able to participate in this AI. Where else can I put my money to work with perhaps better risk appetite or uh, uh, suitable or, uh, or better risk reward? 
Mm, I see. Thanks for that, Sean. And yes, the investors do have a lot to digest as they ponder what lies ahead as well. And it's like what we've seen historically. I mean, the first strong half, the the strong first half of the S and P five hundred has typically led to another solid run in the remaining six months. And that's according to data compiled by Bloomberg. I mean, since the early nineteen fifties, when the index has climbed more than ten percent. Through June, it rises by a median of ten percent in the second half. Now, Ryan, let's bring you in on this conversation as well. What's your take on um, uh, the possibility of the S and P five hundred, or maybe even the the overall U.S. market, you know, rallying for the second half of this year? Yeah, there are starting to be reservations about how much more it can go up mm. um, because of what Fed Chair Jerome Powell said last. Weak as well. He's he signaled for more rates to come. Yep. If rates go higher, that's not going to be conducive for growth stocks, for example. Mm. So that's another reason for people to take profit. So you have that plus the valuations now from some of these big tech names uh, starting to come under question, and then you also have uh, what's also been paying out for the past few months: the cost of living, where you've got. Expenses going up and companies have been hiking prices, passing on to uh, consumers like you and me. Mm. And the question is, uh, how much more can they do that? So that will have an impact on margins uh, if prices or expenses continue to go up. So then earnings will then be under question and we could then have less reason for markets to push higher. Mm. I think it's interesting you mentioned growth, right? Because if you look at AI right now, and you think that okay, when everything has got when everything has played out right, because not right now we're kind of like in a mania stage. But when this mania has died down, then where will you view AI? Like, mm. is this growth or is this cost? Yeah. And then that's where I think that's, uh, I guess that's when we get uh, valuations coming down to a bit more reasonable than mm. two twenty times. Yeah. In fact, we've talked about this. Uh, I mean, for the past few weeks as well, the rally in tech stocks. I mean. For some, they look overblown with rich valuations and just a handful of high flyers like Apple, Microsoft and NVIDIA providing the strength. And we've also got some skeptics from uh, Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan saying that the latest leg up in stocks is likely to be short-lived in part because of the Fed the Fed's signal to further tighten the market as well. But of course, I mean, well, as we step into the final first half of this year, let's just see how the yeah, next I've one... I've got an idea, came. right? Mm. AI is a growth center. So just inject AI into all your products. How about, what do you think about talking Barbie doll? Well, <laughs> Barbie doll? Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Huh. Well, they're going, to, they're going to do it to Furby already at Hasbro. Yeah, Furby's right? coming back. Yeah. They're going to have AI uh, Furbies according to So why to not Hasbro, talking so? Barbie doll? It's an interesting pitch right there, right? And I'm sure there are a lot of... Oh, uh, maybe it would be like Ryan Reynolds and in, in, in Ken or something. Or, or Ryan Gosling as I mean, Ken. All the right? toys the talk. Yeah. Toys talk. I, I suppose that's the future. Well then, I mean, for the rest of this week though, Sean, what else will investors be watching out for? Well, okay, you mentioned a few stocks earlier uh, about mm. having earnings with these Walgreens, for example, and so on. I particularly am looking at two stocks. Uh, one would be Carnival. Okay. I think what I'll be interested in in Carnival Cruises, which is going to announce earnings today before the bell, 
would be at the future bookings. Uh, because I think the future bookings would be a reference as to whether travel is really back and yep. whether uh, travel in terms of, you know, you know, because of reopenings and of course, mm. the big events. Mm. On the note of big events, uh, next week, I think Live Nation Entertainment is going to be announcing, which is going to be interesting. Live mm-hmm. Nation, as we know, with Taylor Swift and uh, Coldplay and in the US as well, they got Beyonce and Metallica all touring. I wonder what their release will be. So that anyway, that's next week. Right. But on this week, also, I'll pay attention to Nike. Nike is, of course, uh, needs no introduction what Nike does. But basically, Nike has, be, they have a lot of excess inventory, uh, according to the last, week, last several quarters. And that was weighing down on them. Uh, they have signaled that they have managed to get rid of some, a lot of this invent, uh, inventory. But Wall Street analysts are a bit concerned still. They consider to be headwinds. Mm. And that will weigh on uh, gross profit margins. So Morgan Stanley, for example, they had an overweight rating on Nike. $130 price target and but, they, but they've noted that the increased retail inventory levels and getting rid of it had not yet been fully priced in. Mm. UBS notes that Nike sneaker sales has been slow for styles like the Air Max uh, during mid-March, possibly due to lower than expected tax refunds, weakening consumer spending environment, people don't like the Air Max, very, very various reasons. So I think right now, in generally, general, the market thinks that the industry is holding on to too much footwear mm-hmm. in the US, and then that's going to have a lot of excess sales and promotions uh, over the summer and possibly longer, and that would impact Nike's earnings uh, you know, and the profit margins and of course other brands as well if you use Nike as a reference. So anyway, Nike is 8% down year to date. It's $109.52 right now. If you follow Morgan Stanley, which has a $130 price target, there's still a bit of upside there to go. Interesting. Thanks for that, Sean. Yes, kicking off the earnings season, that's Nike, which will be releasing their first uh, their, their, their results tomorrow. Well, now let's play a game of up or down. And you know how to play this game. It's simple. All you got to do is to just guess whether a stock or a topic is going to be an up or down. Ryan and Sean, are you ready? Okay, let's, let's try. First on the list, we've got Bitcoin. Ryan, Ryan, why not you go first? All right, Bitcoin is going to be an up. And that's because for the month, it's up 12% so far. Hmm. And that's off the back of a couple of things. You've got... BlackRock filing for a Bitcoin ETF that kind of gives confidence that it might be more mainstream and more actively traded. So okay. uh, you've got Bitcoin, I guess, enjoying a bit of a bounce recently. Mm. Yeah. All right. What about you, Sean? Uh, I think it's speculation. So mm. to me, it's a bit of a down. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to go with an up for this one, though. I mean, I suppose, I mean, seeing how BlackRock is filing for a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund, uh, I guess it gives some kind of confidence into this space. So I'm going to go with an up for Bitcoin. Next on the list, we've got Honda. Sean, what's your take? Okay, so the story of Honda is that they've recalled 1.3 million vehicles worldwide for a real camera issue. Ooh. Uh, as a driver, I don't think real camera issue is a big deal, but never mind. Uh, that's just me. But in general, I think it's therefore a down because 1.3 million cars mm-hmm. we call. Yeah. All right. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, pretty much same as um, Sean. So not going to be super to have this distracting Honda. Yeah. I think it's good to go old school. You know, the mirror is fine. Like real camera, I suppose 
Uh, well, well, to be honest, I don't use it. That's why. But that, but mm. that's just me. I'm sure other people love it. This is for yeah. the reversing. I think many cars have this, right? For yeah. reversing and parking a car. It's a bit more accurate to park that way. It's make, it makes it a lot easier, I have to say, though. But yeah, I'm definitely going to go with the down for this one. I mean, 1.3 million vehicles worldwide. That's that's quite a quite a number. It's quite frustrating as well for mm. the drivers. Anyway. All right, <laughs> let's continue with the the I mean the EV space. Let's talk about Neo. Ryan, why not you go first? All right, let's go with um, up for Neo. So they've entered into a subscription agreement from, with CYVN Holdings. So that's going to help them to raise some capital for expansion plans. So CYVN is an investment vehicle partly owned by the Abu Dhabi government. Mm. So that's going to be an up for them as well as they get a slice of the EV market. All right. What about you, Sean? Uh, is it up for me? And I find it very interesting that you know they're pairing with Abu Dhabi. Yeah, this is a good expansion for them here. I'm going to go with an up for Neo. Next on the list, Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding. Sean, what's your take? Okay, they have won a contract for three combination carriers from a repeat customer. Uh, I like that because A, more co- uh, combination carriers con- uh, they're selling and two repeat customers are always very good. Mm. So definitely an up for me. All right, Ryan, what about you? All right, Zhejiang, winning a contract has to be up. Definitely going to be up for me as well. Next on the list, we've got S-Reads. Ryan, why not you go first? All right, S Reads are uh, going to be an up for me. Um, this is off the back of how we've been seeing interest rates stay elevated, yep. rising over the past few months. Uh, S Reads have been able to write out these rates. Typically, you would expect them to um, be under pressure because they borrow money to make money. Mm. Uh, in that sense, they've been able to refinance or manage exposure, but still keep under the gearing ratios, which are set right. at around 45%. Yeah. So all in, based on that, they have not been able to, I guess, find too much trouble mm. in the current environment. What about you, Sean? Uh, S-Suite's up for me. Up for you. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. In fact, I mean, it's, uh, I mean the maintained gearing ratio of below the 45% regulatory limit that has been set by the MAS as well. And the average gearing ratio of the yes suites and property trust sector was at 38.1%. And that's according to the latest available filings, in fact. And so it does show that the yes suites have been actively managing their interest rate exposure as well as well. So, we are moving on to the last on the list, and here we are. We've got Taylor Swift. Yes. Sean, why not you go first? Okay, everybody's going to be marking July the 5th as the date for the pre-sales, <laughs> and then July 7th for the public sales, and I wonder then how many tickets will be left for the public sales after the bloodbath on the July 5th. Man. So, I would give this an up anyway, because I think having three more shows gives twice the number of tickets yeah. for slightly better odds for everyone on July 7th. Yep. Uh, but, you know, good luck everybody <laughs> if you are interested in those tickets. Alright. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, so she just said, no, three extra nights. She didn't even bother to do one by one. Yeah. She was that confident that she would get the demand for three extra shows. So, I think the question now is, is that going to be enough? Three? Or will there be number seven? Man. And if you look at the touring calendar schedule she actually has a two month gap from her Singapore show to the next show which is in Paris 
So there is perhaps more room for more shows. Yeah, like what? A 30 show residency at the spots. <laughs> Let's up. take up residency at MBS. <laughs> I suppose that would work for her. I mean, matching British rockers Coldplay, who are set to perform six shows, I mean, in January next year. And this is this is overwhelming. I mean, I suppose they're trying to meet up, uh, just trying to meet demand as well. And both new dates, in fact, they sold out in less than three hours. So good news for them yeah, here, I suppose. Also remember, it's the only stop in Southeast Asia. And so then yeah. six, six, then six is the record, right? For, yeah. But so how, it's not how just by, Singapore demand. Okay, so six is the record Jackie Chong set, and then six also is the record for English yeah. music for Coldplay. So why just make it, Taylor Swift? Just make it. Yeah, just break. I mean, <laughs> let's see who can who can uh, bring it higher. You know, good luck to their voices. I suppose you could have too much of a good thing, right? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much as always, Ryan Huang and Sean Cheong for joining us this morning on Market View. We'll catch you again tomorrow, same time, same place. Meanwhile, continue to keep it right here with us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.